This morning as we finish up this series, I want to talk to the parents for a second. Parents, how many of you feel like you say the same thing over and over and over and over again? Two hands, yes. We got two hands, people with two hands. How many of you get tired of saying the same thing over and over? All right, all right. Um, kids, how many feel like you're, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Don't do that right now, don't do that. It just feels like so many times we, we feel like we say the same, we get tired of saying the same things over and over and over again. And you know what I've found? That the longer I parent, the more I become my parents. Anybody with me in this? Yeah, yeah, you swore to yourself you would never do that, whatever that is, but you fill in the blank. You swore to yourself that you would never do that, but the more you parent, the more you find yourself becoming like your parents. I don't know about you guys, but my, my parents' discipline was a real thing. We, um, we, my, my family believes in the hand-to-butt method, like it is an effective uh, method. It was in my family. We've got peaceful parents in here, I know, and my parents were not so peaceful parents. And so um, I respect both. Um, I choose the latter, but anyways, that's my, my choice and my prerogative. But, but man, there's all kinds of arsenals when it comes to discipline. And when, you, when I was growing up, if you were at my grandmother's house, the arsenal that she chose was switches. How many of you have ever encountered a switch in your life? Yes. And here's the thing with my grandmother is you could never pick out the right switch to make her happy. Like I would pick out a thick one and she wanted a thin one. I would pick out a thin one and she wanted a thick one. I would pick out a medium one and she wanted whatever she wanted. It just didn't matter. But here's the thing, here's the reason why I'm still in counseling today is that she would, she would send me outside to pick my own switch. That's just wrong, y'all. That's wrong. If you do that, stop that. Don't do that anymore. But I don't know about you, um, for Sherry's parents, they, they chose the spoon method and, um, and that was what they used for discipline, and one time Sherry was riding in the car, and she thought it would be funny to to color on her mom's spoon, and her mom didn't think it was as funny as she thought it was in that time. But for me and my family, it was it was the belt, and I remember when the drawer would open where the belt was, I knew it had escalated to a point in which there was no return. Any any anybody any yeah yeah you, you know this you know I began to pray God if you would send if Jesus could come back. Right now, this would be the greatest time right now if, if this could happen. But, but the one thing in the arsenal of, of discipline, the one thing was it wasn't even a tool. It wasn't even a weapon, if you will. It was, it was words. Like you would get to the end of an argument. You would get to the point in which you felt like you had made yourself very clear as a kid. And my mom, this was the one who would cho choose this the most often. She would end the argument. It was the end. It was like she threw down the trump card. She would say, because I, you, do we have the same mom? But she would end the argument and it would be because, I, and it was like, like literally the, the foundations of the house would shake. And I knew at that moment that when my mom laid down the trump, the, the because I say so card, the argument was over. Anybody with me? The argument was done. And the reason why it was so, yeah, your moms are like, that's right. You hear this kids? Yeah, take note, take that down, because I said so. Yeah, write it down. And the reason this is so frustrating to you and the reason it was so frustrating to me was because we thought we had everything planned out. We, we thought that we, we, we came to the argument with all of our I's dotted, all of our T's crossed. We, we, we knew that our friends were doing this, that this wasn't gonna harm anyone. And my mom would always end it with, because I said so. 
And ultimately the reason why this made me so mad is because in these moments, I felt like I knew best. Like I felt like my 14 year old self was wiser than my mom at the time. I felt like my 12 year old self or my 16 year old, whatever I was at the time felt like I knew best. It's crazy because we do the very same thing in our relationship with God. See, this is why so many of us, we have trouble listening to what God says. It's because we view God as this, this like curmudgeon, angry person sitting up in heaven on his throne with this constant attitude, with his arms crossed, sitting back in his chair. Like some of you guys look at me on a weekly basis. That's okay. No offense taken. But we... we we, we picture God as sitting in heaven, wagging his finger, looking at us and, and, and telling us and hovering over us with the decisions that he's making and saying, because you will do this, because I said so. And we find ourselves stressed out because there's areas of our life where we've tuned out the very voice of God. There's areas of our life where we have, not, we have failed to allow God to speak into any longer because if we're honest, if we're just honest, we feel like we know best. That there's places and spaces in our life where if we were just to get real today, we feel like we know better than God. And sometimes how we hear it isn't based on how God said it, but rather how we receive it. Let, let me say that again because I want you to understand this is kind of the basis of what we're talking about today is, is sometimes how we hear it it being what God says, isn't how God said it, but rather how we receive it. There's a story in the book of Luke chapter 5, if you want to turn with me there, we'll be there in just a moment, where Jesus has this encounter with a bunch of people, but, but he has this conversation with, with Simon Peter, who is the main character of the story that we're going to talk, Jesus is the main character of every story, let's just be honest, but he begins to talk to Simon Peter, and we see that the sons of, of Zebedee are there, James and John, and and these guys have been out fishing all night. And Jesus comes to Peter and he gives him some advice. And Peter has a decision to make in this moment. Peter has the decision to make of will he listen to Jesus or will he do his own thing? Like will he listen to Jesus or, or will he believe that, that he knows best, he being Peter? Will he listen to the words that Jesus has to say or will he believe that he actually knows better than Jesus? And so it is in our lives that so many times we get to choose. So Luke chapter five, check out verse number one. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Simon being Peter, we'll, we'll call him Peter for today, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I want to explain this a little bit because some of us find this interesting as maybe you've read this before and you're like, well, Jesus had these people crowded around him. Now he gets in the boat and he pushes away from the shore. Like what, what was the reason for this? Is it many times communicators in this, in this um, area, in this time of, 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 of the world would, would get into a boat and they would be able to use the water literally actually as a natural amplifier of their voice. And so they would actually be able to communicate to more people than they would if the crowd was just gathered around them. And so Jesus has pushed out away from, from the water, pushed out away from the shore, and he has Peter in his boat. First, verse number four, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon and Peter, put out into deep water 
and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. For a moment, let's just put ourselves in Peter's shoes. Like Peter is out fishing. He's out doing what he does for a living. Peter is, this is how he brings home, literally, he brings home his income is, is by fishing. And, and he's fished all night. So you can imagine that if you went to your job for an entire day and didn't accomplish anything in which you were entrusted to accomplish, like you would be pretty frustrated with that day. Can we agree on that? And so Peter has been out all night. He's probably, he's probably hungry. He's probably tired. And when you're hungry and tired, you know that you're never fun to be around. Anybody with me on this? Yeah. I don't need to be, I just need to be one or the other. I don't need to be both, just one or the other. And Peter has, has already washed his nets. He's already gotten these things, the salt off of the nets, and he's gotten them back into shape. And, and he's, he's ready to be done for the day. And then Jesus, Jesus, the one whose father was a carpenter, which many believe that Jesus was a carpenter himself, and, and the rabbi, the teacher, Jesus begins to tell Peter how to do his job. Like, put yourself in Peter's shoes for a second. Like, if just for a moment, I would, if I was Peter, I would have called a timeout and said, hey, I would have appreciated if you were giving me some, like, notes on communication. That would have been good, Jesus. I could have followed you on that or how to build this, that, or the other thing. But, but Jesus, I just want to remind you that I'm the professional fisherman. Like, I'm the one who knows how to do what we're doing in this moment. Has you ever had Jesus speak something into your life? And you just wonder, if you were to be honest, don't raise your hand. But if you were to be honest, do you wonder if maybe you know better than Jesus? You see, sometimes we get so stressed out because we feel like Jesus doesn't know. You ever had that person that doesn't do what you do try to tell you how to do what you do? Hmm, I hear it. Like sometimes those are my favorite conversations after church. You know, pastor, when you talked about that one verse in this way, I don't believe Jesus was saying that. Like I love when people that don't do what you do try to tell you how to do. Anybody with me on this, right? They, they, the backseat drivers, come on, raise your hand. Anybody get tired of backseat drivers? The light's green, nada. Like I'm sitting right here. They're braking, they're braking. You know, it's like, that's why I was hitting the brakes. Like, yeah. Or the guy in the gym who clearly hasn't spent much time in the gym, but they've got to tell you, look, look, bro, that's not how you do that lift, man. Like, that's not how you do it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Like, they've been lifting the Snickers. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that's a whole other point. Just saying. But we get tired when people try to tell us, like, relationship advice. You, you have people in your life that, like, their relationships are broke, and they still want to give you relationship advice. And I'm imagining this is how Peter felt in this moment, like, Jesus. Like, hey, come on, you're, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. It was well-known fact to the fishermen of this time that in the Sea of Galilee that, that you caught fish at night in the shallow water, not in the daytime, in the deep water. And what Jesus asked Peter to do in this moment was contrary to everything that he had ever learned, everything that he had ever experienced as a professional fisherman. Come on, there's times and places and spaces in your life where if you're like me, you just feel like you know best. Jesus, do you really know what you're talking about? See, this is why so many of us, if we're just to be honest, this is why so many of us, we get so stressed out when as a church we begin talking about things like tithing. Like we're like, Jesus, hey, hey, clearly, 
clearly you've missed something, right? Like the math's not adding up that, that if you could see the numbers and how they're adding up that 100%, if I can keep that, is, is more than 90%, right? Jesus, you see this? Like, Jesus, you understand that, like, you've seen all the bills that are coming in, and, 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 and look, I know what you've asked at me, but, but Jesus, I'm, I'm not sure you know best. I think I've got a, a handle on this thing. And for some of us in the room, it's, it's not a financial issue. It's, it's a trust issue. That sometimes we, we don't lean into God like we should. We, we don't lean into him that he actually knows what he's talking about. Can, can anybody attest in here today that you've found that, that 90 goes further than when you've given 10 to God than when you have 100 for yourself. Can anybody attest to that today? Yeah, yeah, we, we've seen God. It's, it's super, not, it's crazy. It really doesn't make sense. And we wanna say, Jesus, I'm not, sure you, you, I'm not sure you've seen all the bills. He's like, no, no, I'm well aware of them. I'm just telling you, if you trust me, that crazy things happen. Maybe for you it's not tithing. Maybe for you it's, it's this idea of Sabbath. It's like, God, hey, God, I know that you talk about like, like taking a day and, and resting. But God, you understand that the seven days is more than six. There's a full 24 hours more in that that I can be productive. There's, there's, God, I'm not sure if your, your calculations are adding up. God, I'm not sure if you, if you know best. That's why some of us get stressed out when we hear the MC talk about serving because we're like, how is it possible that if I give more of my time that I'll actually be blessed? It, it, I'm, I'm, God, I'm, I'm not sure this all adds up. Can I just get a little bit more personal? Is that okay? Listen, I love you enough to tell you these things. This is why some of us get so stressed out about our relationships. Because we've stepped into a place in relationships that we're living in less than God's best for our life. That you find yourself in a place where you're living with him or her and, and there's sexual things going on that, that you know God has already spoken to you and said, hey, you should wait for that until you're inside the confines of, I'm going old, can I just go old school for a little bit? Like a little bit? Like, cause this is truth, whether it's old school or new school. And we know what God's already spoken to us. He's already, been, but, but we're like, God, don't you understand? Marriage is complicated. <laughs> Marriage is so, it's so complicated. And God is saying, look, I'm not, look, I'm not asking you, I'm not telling you that it's not complicated. I'm just asking you, do you trust me? Like, do we believe that we know better than, than Jesus knows in portions of our Life And if we were to be honest, like I believe that if we were in Peter's shoes looking at like, hey, the nets are already washed. I've already done for the night. Jesus, you just kind of keep doing what you're doing. You kind of focus on your thing. I'll focus on my thing. And, and, and we come to a place where we have to ask ourselves, do we trust Jesus? I heard this saying one time, he's, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Like he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. I love what Peter finds himself in the second part of verse number five. He says to Jesus, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'll come back to this in a minute, but let's, let's just keep it moving for now. Verse six, he says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began 
to break. I love this. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Church, what I want you to understand as I was reading through this passage, what what I began to illuminate in my mind, I began to see is that so many times blessings come with burdens. Like they had been fishing all night. They had already done all of these things. Jesus says, put your nets back in the water. And we see that their nets begin to what? Their nets begin to? That's weak sauce. Nets begin to? And their boat begin to? Yeah, this is a problem. If you're a fisherman and your nets are broken, you're going to have a tough time catching any more fish. If your boat is sinking, that's an issue. You're going to have a tough time going out for another catch. And listen, if you don't understand, if you don't understand the fact that sometimes that the blessing comes with a burden, you'll call what God has provided as a blessing. You'll actually mislabel it as a burden because you don't understand the weight of what you ask for has come true. And it was the very thing you prayed for. Like I have so many people that, that they, they pray for their, like, God, would you, would, you, would you blow my mind with my business? God, would you, would, you, would you bring more than I could handle? And then your phone starts to ring off the hook and you're like, if this phone rings one more time, I'm gonna throw it out the window. Look, the blessing comes with a burden. Like you ask God, would you increase my leadership potential? God, would you, would you increase my, my influence? God, would you do all these things? And then he increases your leadership and people begin to ask you to do more things. And you're like, if I get asked to do one more thing, I'm going to, to scream when all the while God is saying, hey, you've mislabeled what I wanted you to see as a blessing. You've mislabeled it as a burden because you didn't see it with the right eyes. Is this making sense today, church? Like, like we, we, we just, we miss it. We, we, we've lost it. And man, I, I tell you, we even experienced this as a church that like, God, would you, would you blow our minds? God, would we see, would we love Delaware until our heartbeat's like yours? God, will we see these things happen? And then God begins to provide and we're like, oh God, we got two experiences to three. God, are you serious? Like we got to be here at 5 a.m. And God's like, hey, hey, don't miss it because don't call a blessing a burden because you saw it wrong. It's heavy. The nets were breaking. The boat was sinking. Peter's experiencing this in his life. And he's saying, I want you to see it correctly. I don't want you to miss this in your your life. I hope this is connecting with somebody. Because as I was reading, man, this was blowing me up as I was studying this. Verse number eight, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Simon's partners, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. I've had people tell me this, that I'm not just, I'm just not sure if, if Jesus cares about what I do. Like sometimes you can feel so stressed because you're just wondering, does, Does Jesus know? And maybe you just wonder, does Jesus care? You just feel like there's times in your life where Jesus doesn't 
care and you're just asking yourself, like, you're like, Pastor, I, I know he, he cares about what you do. I mean, it's, it's ministry. I, I get it. He cares about what the, the, the band does. I mean, it's, it's, that's awesome. That's worship. But, but how in the world could he care about me? Like, I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a businessman. I'm a businesswoman. How in the world could he care about what, what, I, what I do? And I imagine Peter must have been feeling this a little bit, that Peter is thinking as he's in the boat, Jesus, you came to save the world, not to help me catch fish. Come on, Jesus, you've got bigger things to worry about. You're, you're like worried about redeeming man. You're worried about going and, and bringing people who are far from God and, and bringing them to yourself. Like, Jesus, you're worried about all these things, but, but catching fish, I, I'm not sure if this could be true. And Jesus I mean, imagine Peter's just thinking to Jesus, just keep teaching. Don't mind me. I'll put out the nets tonight and I'll try this thing again. But, but no, Jesus in this moment makes this so extremely personal. Like when you read about this miracle, when you read about what happens in this moment, like this isn't like a feeding of the 5,000. I love that miracle. Jesus, he, he takes these loaves and fish and he feeds 5,000. I love when Jesus in John chapter 2, when he turns water into wine at the wedding feast. I love all those things. But, but what Jesus does in this passage is he makes it extremely personal for Peter. That no one else was benefiting from the catch of fish except for Peter and his partners, James and John, the guys who were with them. And Jesus wants you to understand, like you may not feel like he cares, but Jesus wants you to hear me say this morning that he couldn't care more about what you're going, what's going on in your life. Like you wonder, God, do you care about what's going on, my, like my job? Listen, I want you to understand this morning, church, that he cares deeply about your occupation. Like how in the world, listen, because Jesus, you're a son or a daughter of him and Jesus couldn't care more about you. Maybe you wonder, does he, students, does he care about my education? Can I know that, can I let you know this morning that, that Jesus cares deeply about every single area of your life? Today, I want you to know that Jesus is, he's making it personal. Like not only does he know, but he cares. And there was this moment in this passage this moment that led to a miracle. I want you to see this moment that Peter has because this miracle that, that happened in this passage is it's something larger than just catching a bunch of fish. This miracle is the shift in how Peter viewed Jesus. And I believe it's a moment that leads to a miracle that some of you have probably had in your life. And, and for some of you, maybe this morning, it's gonna be a time when, when everything falls into clarity for you. Check out the second part of that first Number five again, Peter looks at Jesus when he says to throw the nets in. He says, but because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. And the reason that so many of you get so stressed in life is because many of us have the wrong picture of God in our life. Like, like we picture God as, as I said earlier, with the tone that our parents had. And, and this is how, the, check these initials out because I want you to see this on the screen. We, we see God like this. We see that Jesus is looking at us saying, because I say so, you will. 
Because I say so, listen, because I put this out there, you will do this, you will do that. And we cower under the weight of all these things and saying, listen, if, if this is the way God is, I don't want anything to do with it because all I can hear is my mom's tone or my dad's tone and we, we hear it in the wrong way. But I love that, that Jesus doesn't look at Peter and say, because I say so, you will. No, no, no. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, because you say so, I will. This seems like a subtle shift, just a small shift. But can I tell you, these are worlds apart. That when it moves from God looking at you saying, listen, because I say so, you will serve. Because I say so, you will get this relationship right. And you're going, holy cow, this is not what I, so I didn't, listen, can I tell you, if that's the way you're hearing it, that's not the way God's saying it. You see, Jesus wants us to get to a place where our love for him and our trust for him, that he brings us into a place where we look at him as Peter looked at him, because you say so, Jesus, I will. Because you say so, I will. Look, I've always read this as super sarcastic. I've always read this in, in scripture before this week of studying this for today. I've always thought that Peter was looking at Jesus and just saying, look, carpenter, because you say so, I will, buddy. Like I just, listen, I, I mean, this is honest. I just imagine that, that Peter probably had some sort of attitude, but then I noticed something. In this chapter, Peter goes from calling Jesus in verse five, he calls him master. So in verse eight, he calls him Lord. Maybe you wonder what's the significance of all this. Let me just tell you what it meant for me. My senior year of high school, I went to a conference and I'll never forget I was sitting towards one of the front rows and I remember singing the words to the song, here I am to worship. Y'all remember that song? But there was this bridge that got to, it says, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. And I believe that what happened for me in that moment is what happened to Peter in this moment. That Jesus for me, come on, he went from the savior of my life to the Lord of my life. Where if I, I didn't get, listen, let me just kind of make this clear, is I didn't get more saved. There wasn't another decision that happened. There's this big word that I'm explaining. It's called sanctification, where God literally brings you deeper into his heart, where you can see more like he sees, where you can love more like he loves, where you can trust just like he wants us to trust, where we can look at him in his eyes and say, Jesus, whatever it is you want, because because you say so, literally, because you say so, I will. And today, church, as I was praying for today, as I was preparing for today, 
Listen, I was confident of the fact that for some of us in this room, that Jesus is gonna move from Savior to Lord of your life. That Jesus, listen, if you died today, you would spend eternity with him in heaven, praise God. But if he's the Lord of your life, you don't have to wait for eternity to celebrate Jesus. That when he becomes the Lord of your life, on this side of eternity, you can say, God, whatever it is, I'm gonna wrestle with it. Trust me, I wrestle with it on the daily. But because you say so, I will. I believe that Peter was locking eyes with Jesus in this moment, saying, you're a carpenter and I'm a fisherman, but I've seen the miracles you've done, Jesus. And because you say so, I will. Let me just talk to the people who are my age, maybe a little bit, let me, let's just say 40 and younger. I just wanna be bold for a second so many of us, I'm going to put myself in this. Come on, we've become arrogant enough to believe that we actually know everything and we don't need anyone to speak into our life. Let me just say this. Like, let us not buy into the lie that we don't need to submit to anyone or to look to anyone for leadership. Because there's this principle in leadership, it's called, it's called the leadership lid. That you will not be able to influence further than you've actually, you've actually led yourself to or the influence that's been poured into your life. And there comes a point where you hit a lid in leadership. And I believe that for some of the people that are around my age and maybe a little older and, and, and down, the, the problem and the reality is, is, is that we don't have a leadership lid, that we have a lordship lid that God has already spoken things to us. And can I tell you that he's not gonna give you more until you obey with what you already have. Listen, I, I wanna encourage, I pray, my prayer is that for the ones that are 40 and under, it's like the millennials and a little bit older and down, that, that, we, that something in our spirit would break today. That we would say, listen, I don't know everything. I don't have it all together. I need someone. I sat across the table from a young man this week and I said, you desperately need a spiritual father in your life. Someone you can say, listen, I don't even know which way is up, but I want to know which way is up. That when we don't know where to go relationally, that we can sit down with somebody and say, hey, I believe that, that you have a relationship with Jesus that you could speak into my life. Is this connecting with anybody today? Listen, I just want to know. The one word that I can say to the younger folks in here is be willing to one word, submit. I don't know everything. I don't know everything. I don't know a lot of things. I don't know a lot of things about a lot of things. If we could admit that and raise our hand and say, listen, I just need some, I need to submit. I need to get out of the way and I need to let Jesus step in the way. And then I need to follow somebody as they follow Jesus. Paul talked about that in the New Testament. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. We should find someone. I didn't even, this is free for second experience. I didn't say this in first experience. But I believe there's some young adults, some young professionals, some young parents in here that we feel like we know everything and we just need to simply say today, God, I don't know as much as I claim to know. God, I'm getting out of the way. I'm stepping out of the way. Would you be the Lord of my life? Thank you for being my savior. Will you be the Lord?